Testament and did not get any applause, right? Did not get anything from the master. What, what's my point? This stewardship language is all throughout the Bible. It's so core to understanding. He saved us by his own blood and he's invited us to partner with him. He's Lord, right? Do you see this right here in this verse, verse 10? He uses the exact language, stewardship, doesn't he? Again, meaning manager. He says right there, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. See, there is some grace that's for you. Jesus has died for you. He's forgiven you of your sins. And even Kurt taught us that grace isn't just love and forgiveness. Grace is empowerment to do what God has called you to do. So if that means walk in holiness, his word empowers you to do that. Because you are dead to sin alive to God. Just like Jesus said to the woman who was caught in adultery. He said, I don't condemn you. That's grace, forgiveness. And then he said, go and sin no more. That was called grace. He was empowering her with his word to go and live that out. There's grace for you. There's grace that God wants to give you. And there's blessing that God wants to bless you with. And then there's grace that's not for you. We all like getting gifts, don't we? We all like getting gifts. Yeah? Just me? You don't like getting gifts? I like getting gifts. Anybody else? Yeah? You like getting gifts. But notice what he says here in 1 Peter 4. As each one has received a gift. All of a sudden you're like, yeah, woohoo, I want a gift. It's like Jesus is like, anybody want a gift? And everyone's like, oh, me. And he's like, okay, well, this gift, you got to give away. Notice he says that. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. There are things that God has given you. There are things that God has done in your life. There are things that God has taught you. And they are, oh, they are definitely for you in many ways. But in many ways, they're not, are they? They're not for you. There are times when God says, this one's for you. And there are times where God says, this one's for somebody else. I love this when he says, as stewards, as good stewards, good and faithful servants, right? As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Manifold grace of God, meaning that there's a lot of diversity to how this grace manifests. Each person is given a different gift. Everybody's different. Everybody has a different grace, a different contribution into the church and into the kingdom. But he's saying that you are a steward or a manager of the grace of God. That there is grace that God has given you that he did not give you that grace for you. He gave you that grace for somebody else. Or plural, somebody's else is just messing. He gave you that grace. So think about it here for a second. There are times where you need to steward your money. There are times where you need to steward your time. And if you'll steward your money according to the will of God, you will see blessing and increase. You will. You do it by God's way and you'll be led by the Holy Spirit and God wants to see you blessed. I mean, there's a verse in uh, 1 Corinthians 9. He says, God gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Bread to eat. There are some things that God blesses you with called bread that you eat it. There is blessing, there is provision, you work your job, you steward the job that God has given you, and you are blessed, and you increase, and you get blessed because of that. 
you have a house or a car or, or you can pay your bills or you have food and such. You can go on a little vacation. There's blessing and there's nothing wrong with that. There are some things you are supposed to eat, metaphorically. You're supposed to receive bread. And then there are some things that you are supposed to sow back in. If you ate all that you harvest, it would not be right. If you sowed all that you harvest, it wouldn't be right either. See, some people, they give too much. All right, God blesses you. Not usually. People don't usually give too much. But <laughs> God blesses you. You're supposed to give it all away? No, 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 not necessarily. We're supposed to honor the Lord with the tithe. Contribute. You see a poor person? That's not your money. There are some things we're supposed to give back away, right? And then there's some things that are for us. Can you imagine a pizza delivery man who ate all the pizzas? First of all, I think he'd get sick like in the first night. But can you imagine that? I don't think he would keep his job very long, right? Hey, do you like pizza? Oh, I like pizza. Here, please deliver these. And then he eats them? What do you think the manager's going to say at the Papa John's or something? That wasn't for you. People calling up, hey, I don't know where my pizza is. Hey, where's my pizza? All right, Bob, did you eat the pizzas again? I thought they were for me. Now, I don't know. I've never worked at a pizza store, but maybe, maybe if you work at a good pizza store, you could probably make one yourself, you know, without, cheating, without stealing. You probably come to your boss and say, oh, hey, I'm hungry. Can I have a free pizza? Sure, we had one that somebody didn't buy, and it's going to go get thrown away. Have a pizza. See, there are some things that are for you, and then there are some things that are not for you, right? Jesus says, who wants a gift? And everyone says, yeah, I want a gift. Oh, okay, here, please go give that to somebody else. You, listen, you steward some grace by giving it away. Like I said, with your money, some of it you have to steward by how you spend it or save it. But some of it, it wasn't for you in the first place, right? You worked, but God blessed you with that income so that you could honor him and fuel the ministry of God. God gave you that so you could give it to that poor person. Or you could go support that friend who's hurting. There are some things, and I'm using money as a specific illustration, but it's not just money, obviously. There are some things that are not for you, they're for other people. And if you withhold it, then it doesn't increase, and the Lord's not glorified, and and other people aren't blessed, right? You're like the person who hid the talent. You hid the gift. You hid what God gave you, the grace that God gave you for others. You hid it. But if you give it away, what does it do? It multiplies. It multiplies, and you're a good and faithful servant. So you have a ministry. This is what it's saying. You have a gift, an ability. You have grace to give to other people. You have a ministry, right? It says right here, each one has a gift, has received a gift. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I love it. Paul says this about the grace of God in Ephesians 3, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. He's talking about his own ministry of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ. Listen to this. He says in verse 7, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the the effective working of his power. Verse 8, to me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given me that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see 
what is the fellowship of that mystery. Do you see, he's talking about grace, that is empowerment for a ministry that is not for him, but for other people. Do you see that? Paul's saying, oh, I've been given grace to work effectively in me with power to be effective in my ministry that I might proclaim to who? Other people about God's riches. Oh, see, that's the great thing. See, see, see I preached to you that you would be blessed, but I have to steward my own life I have to obey God. I have to hear God and walk in the Spirit so that I can see blessing in my life. But why do I preach to you? Because I have something to give to you, right? Can you imagine if I didn't do what I was supposed to do? Can you imagine? Have you ever been blessed by somebody? Let me ask you that. Have you ever been blessed by anybody? What if the person who led you to Jesus did not lead you to Jesus? What if that Sunday school teacher did not disciple you? What if your mom or dad did not pour into you, right? What if that neighbor, what if that friend did not pour into you? What if, right? Have you ever been blessed? Then you are a recipient of somebody who gave grace away to you, right? We've all experienced this. We experience it in fellowship, we experience it when people just love us and accept us. We experience it, not in sometimes in spectacular ways, but going to a life group where we just experience the word and fellowship. And, or when somebody prays for you. You ever received a prophetic word? Or what about some of you have been healed in this church or in other places where somebody laid hands on you and believed God for you to be healed and you were healed? What if they didn't believe God for your healing? What if they didn't give away that gift, Right? See, there's times where we don't give away to other people. Maybe we get scared. Maybe there's other reasons, but we don't give that grace away. Who misses out? We miss out, but so does the other person. See, there's certain grace that was never meant to be held on to, but given away. It's the whole point of the gifts of the Spirit. Throughout the body of Christ, God has given these gifts of the Spirit. But always, if you read 1 Corinthians 12, And even 13 and 14, the whole point of that section is not, well, what gift do I have? Do I have healing or words of knowledge or prophecy? I mean, I love all the gifts, believe me. And it says we're supposed to pursue uh, love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. We're supposed to want those gifts. But why? The whole time, if you read that whole section, repeatedly, for the edification of others, for the building up of others. It's others, it's others, it's others, it's others, it's others. I'll tell you, When you find somebody who understands my life is to go and give away to others, I'm to go and bless others, you find them hungering for the gifts. You find them hungering to know what their part is to play. You find them even longing for the power of the Spirit, as we see in the book of Acts. But sometimes you meet somebody and you tell them, hey, the book of Acts, the power of the Holy Spirit gets you filled up, and they're like, I don't know why I need that. Really, really, I, I don't know why I need that. Often a person who doesn't know that their life is for others. Because you don't need the power of God. I remember Jesus said in Acts chapter 1-8, power will come upon you and you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Right? When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you receive power to be my witnesses. If you haven't embraced that as an assignment from God, well then why do I need power? I mean, praise God, the gifts of the Spirit, we get blessed a little bit too, you know. But really, it's not about us, is it? It's not about us. It's about other people. And it's really because that's the only reason I've hungered for the gifts of the Spirit, to be honest with you. It's the only reason I've pressed in for, for more of those things from the Lord 
is because I want to give away the fullness of the kingdom. I want to minister Jesus to people. I don't want to give people me. I want to give people Jesus. And he said, don't leave Jerusalem until you have the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he, he told his disciples, you, you, you can't just give them a story. You've got to give them the power of God. You've got to give them all of me. <clears throat> so let me give you a little bit of encouragement here to step into these things. Number one, listen to what he says uh, in 1 Peter 4, where he says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. That's the verb. Do you see that verb? Minister it. That's the action. That's the action. Let me tell you the first thing. You're saying, okay, well, I have a gift. I have a calling. What do I do? You say, what do I do? Dave, give me some advice here. What do I do? Let me tell you. I'll tell you right here. It's really simple. Do it. Minister it. Minister it. That's pretty simple advice. Yeah, but you'd be surprised how many people say, but I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what my gift is. I get it. I get it. I know that can be tough. Yes, I get that. I get that. But you have something to give away. Start giving it away. Many people, they want to know who they are, what their gift is, what their calling is, or they'll even say, some people will even say, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know what my calling is. I know what my calling is. I'm supposed to do this. Well, the question is, are you doing it? Right there. Minister it. Go give it away. I love this in, in Colossians. In Colossians, uh, I really feel like this is for somebody here. In Colossians, the whole letter of Colossians is written to the community of Colossians. And then right there at the end of the chapter 4, Paul, at the end of the letter, addresses this man named Archippus. He like calls him out. This is a publicly read letter. Everybody's listening. And then all of a sudden he's like, and tell Archippus. You know everybody's like, Phew. like, everybody's looking at Archippus now. And Paul gives a very specific address to Archippus. Likely he was like a house church pastor or something like that. We're not 100% sure. Right here in, uh, oh, I forgot what verse. End of chapter 4. Uh, it says, and say to Archippus, and everyone goes, Phew. take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Take heed to the ministry that you've received in the Lord. You have received a gift and a ministry from the Lord, and Paul is calling out Archippus, specifically, we don't know exactly why, and he says, heed that ministry that you may fulfill it. Now see, a lot of you, you might even have goals, you might have aspirations, you might have, you might have desires and dreams, you might have a vision. There's something that God has asked you to fulfill. You, a lot of times it might be something that you just see inside of your spirit, something that you're excited about or passionate about, or you come alive and you want to see something accomplished. But how are you going to accomplish it if you don't take heed to the ministry? Do you see that? You can't fulfill what God has called you to do if you're not doing anything. Make sense? How do you eat a cow? Ooh, that's good. I don't even know where I heard that before. But check. How do you eat a big steak? One bite at a time. How... You fulfill a big vision from God. Obviously by his supernatural power, but listen, eat it. What does that mean? Literally, it means see to it. See to it. That's a word of stewardship. Just like I told my son yesterday, I said, I'm going away. Here's a list of your chores. It was two things. Don't worry. You must have these done by 5 p.m., 
I came back home, of course they're done because we already worked on this, right? What did I say to him though? I mean, I didn't actually say this, but I thought about this later. See to it. See to it that you get that done, right? That's what it means to heed. It literally means watch over your ministry. Take care of it, right? Just like you would cultivate, care for, take care of, watch over sheep or, or, or a garden or whatever. See to it, right? Your boss says, this is your ministry, or I'm sorry, your job description. See to it, get it done, make it happen, right? That's what he's saying. Do what God has called you or assigned you to do. You have an assignment from the Lord. You have a calling from the Lord. And the only way to fulfill it is to do it, to get going. And so, so many people, they will wait. They will wait for affirmation. They will wait for a leader to tell them, I see that in you, right? They're waiting for somebody or they're waiting for a gifts test or a personality test to tell them. I'm not against them, by the way. I like them. But just saying, we're not supposed to wait like that. One of the best ways for you to hear God, what your calling is, is while you're serving. One of the best ways to find out what you're called to do is while you're serving. In fact, most of the gifts tests, by the way, and again, I'm not against these, but most of the gifts tests, they really are based upon your own experience. Okay, And even if you expand the gifts test, because I like more of an integrated approach, personality, strengths, talents, passions, you know, what makes you come alive, your experience, your spiritual gifts you know, from the Holy Spirit that are supernatural, all these things, okay, you take tests on these things, most of those are based upon what? What's already going on inside of your heart, your experience, what you've done. If, for example, if you're taking the gifts test and you come across the questions about healing and you've never laid hands on anyone to see them healed, you'll likely say, I don't have the gift of healing. But what if Jesus says to you, now go heal the sick, raise the good, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely give, I don't have the gift of healing or dead raising. But Jesus told the 12, just go do it. I did it, now you go do it. And then they went and did it and they came back and they were like, oh, Jesus, demons actually fleed when we told them to go. And he's like, I know, that's how it works. You, you won't know that you have those gifts if you don't step out and give them away. Oh, they're there because the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus is in you. You've got to heed it. I was thinking about Sergio. Some of you know Sergio. Actually, he's the one who's going to be leading the Spanish church. Kurt is coaching him. Listen, I remember when Sergio first came to our church and he came to the Lord in OSL, came to the Lord, and, he, and, and God was stirring these things on his heart. He had been hungry for God and seeking God, but he really came and understood the gospel here at our church. And I remember him telling me from the very beginning, hey, I really feel like I'm supposed to teach the word of God and I feel like maybe one of these days, like when my kids graduate and stuff, I go travel around and do missions or pastoring or church. He didn't say church planning, but like missions, traveling, telling people about Jesus, that kind of thing. I said, so this is what I told him. I said, that is awesome. We want to empower you. We want to release you because that's our heart here. We want to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And I said to him, I said, you just stick with us and you will see those things come to pass. I said, you keep doing OSL. I said, you keep serving faithfully. Right, And I said, you hang out with people who are doing it and you're going to learn and you're going to grow. And then I told him, I said, we'll see your faithfulness and we'll see you more released. You can trust us in that. And he did. He kept going through OSL. He kept growing. We saw him, because remember he was a non-believer, I mean he wasn't a believer. We saw him repenting. We saw him letting Jesus work in his life. We saw him faithful, refreshments, helping here, helping there. He started hanging out with Sam 
doing outreach with Sam, helping with a Bible study, and you could see him serving. And we do those things on purpose so that people would learn and have mentorship, right? And we expected Sam and Kurt to coach him and to mentor him. And that's what was happening. Discipleship, mentoring. The best training is what? OJT, on-the-job training. Then he starts leading a Bible study. He starts teaching the Gospel of John, and I would eavesdrop. I'd be in my office. I needed to get some more work done, and, uh, but I would just listen to him teach the Word. And I thought to myself, well, that's some good stuff. It's definitely a gift. And we, again, we saw him be faithful. He was studying. He was ta- he's taking Bible classes. And like I said, he's, 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 re- he's responding to our leadership and he's, he's honoring and he's growing in his character and all this stuff. And so what do you think we're going to do? When we say, look, our, call, our church is called the Multiply Churches. And there are people who need Jesus. And Kurt's ready to lead something and take it on. What am I going to do? I got Sergio over here. So, of course, we're kind of like, Jesus, if it's you, just tell us to come walk on water. Oh, okay, let's do it. We don't know what we're doing, right? But we're like, hey, hey, you want us to do it? Okay, cool. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like Jonathan and, da- uh, not David, Jonathan and his armor bear. Jonathan's like, hey, let's just like go up by ourselves and take out a bunch of Philistines. Maybe God will be with us. That's how we are. We're like, hey, God, sound like you're going to do it? Okay, cool, let's go. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Why? Because it's time to release some leaders. Why wait? Why wait? But what did Jesus say? Luke chapter 16. He who is faithful in little is faithful in much. Is. Is faithful in much. Not will be. Is faithful in much. He who is faithful in little is faithful in much. Meaning that the test of whether or not you can handle more is right now. The key to the next level is this level. If you can be faithful in what God has called you to do now, oh, you can handle it then. So if you can take care of one person, you can take care of more. If you can shepherd one sheep, you can take care of more. If you can do the ministry God's called you to do, he'll open up more for you because he knows he can trust you. So heed the ministry that God's called you to. Heed the ministry that God's called you to. That's number one advice I have for you. I still remember when the Lord called me to be a senior pastor when I was 17 just come to the Lord months before that and I never not saying this would be totally bad but I never pursued a position God told me I want you to be a pastor I fought him you guys know that but I surrendered and you know what I did I painted walls I cleaned bathrooms I folded programs I did set up and take down I mean dude I mean this has not been just for a month that we do this, right? I was the setup and takedown team at first. I was the program folding, cleaning bathrooms team at first, years ago when I first came to this church. Why did I do that? Because it's about being a part of the team, right? Everything is connected to a soul. Your ministry, whatever God has called you to, is not insignificant, but is a part of the work of the gospel, Amen? Jesus said, go and make disciples. That means everything you and I do is connected to that reality. Whether you're feeding the poor, or whether you, whether you are at your work and you're leading a prayer group, 
or whether you're loving your neighbors or your coworkers and you're sharing Jesus with them or passing out a track or whatever, whether you are prayer walking or you're helping with prayer teams or the setup and takedown or the refreshments or the kids' ministry, every single thing we do is to be, to impact other people and help them to come to know him, amen? And then help those disciples grow and step into their calling. Everything is connected to a soul. Everything. I just wanted to serve. I even did kids' ministry. That was one of those where they told me, hey, I don't think you're called to this. No, I don't know. It kind of sounded like that. I don't know if that's what they were trying to say. But anyways, this was a long time ago. Uh, I ended up being an apprentice for a life group. Pastor Dave Metzger, the founding pastor, he said, this is where you begin. You, you begin as an apprentice of a life group. So I started going to a life group. And then I met my wife in the life group. Uh-huh. I'm telling you, great plug for life groups and for ministry. I'm just telling you. Just telling you. So, uh, I just served. I just served. And it was Pastor Dave Metzger who said, hey, you want to come on, do some administrative work? Sure. Dave Metzger said, hey, pastor our youth. Five years I was the youth pastor here. It was Pastor Dave Metzger who said, I'm leaving you're the pastor. I said, no. And then Jesus said, yes. So I said, yes. Okay, right? So I'm just saying, I never promoted myself or pursued to try to be a senior pastor. I just served faithful in the little. I heeded the ministry God had called me to. I figured what Jesus had given me, I'll give away. That's it. That's it. Jesus loved me. Jesus told me the gospel. A friend of mine led me to Jesus. I'll do what he did. So I just built relationships with people. It didn't matter if you were a non-believer, a Christian, a nominal Christian, an awesome Christian. I just built relationships with people and poured my life into them. I mean, seriously. I mean, I think like kind of like, maybe that's a bad illustration. Sniper. Okay. I mean, I think you come in my scope. I'm going to love you and bring you to Jesus. Or if you already know Jesus, I'm going to help you become more. I mean, that's kind of how I would think. Right? So I go end up at Life Pacific College to just learn and to grow in ministry. And there's some young guys there who were my peers, and I just befriended them and started pouring my life into them and end up discipling them because some of them had some brokenness issues that God had done in my life. I wasn't necessarily more spiritual than them, but God had done some things in me. I passed it along to them, and we grew together. We ended up doing ministry together. We ended up doing things together. Anyways, this is how it works, by just doing what God has called you to do. See, every time a person in the body of Christ steps up to do ministry, the church grows. We don't realize, you don't realize that every single part you play causes everybody else to grow because all of a sudden now you're participating just in the natural. That relieves some of the weight that other people are carrying, right? But in the spiritual, it releases anointing because now you're giving grace away. I love it when uh, Paul says this in Ephesians 4.16, says, Christ, who's the head, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, every part or each member doing their part, giving their gift away, says this, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now that's referring to the church. Every, the more you give your grace away, other people become more who they were called to be. 
If you give to people what they need, they'll grow. Then they give to you what you need, and the church just grows. Loving each other, serving each other, giving grace to one another. The church grows. Spiritual edification, growing as disciples. But it's not just that. It's actual multiplication growth. The more that you and I give grace away to others, whether it be, again, your neighbor, people who aren't in the church, or right here on a Sunday, or life groups, or outreaches, when you step up and give grace away, the church grows. I love the example in Acts chapter 6. You remember the disciples, the 12 main ones who were the apostles, they were carrying the weight of ministry, they're preaching the gospel, the church has already grown to 5,000 men plus women and children, it's huge, it's very diverse, and all of a sudden in the midst of that there's some conflict in Acts chapter 6. Uh, had to do with feeding of widows and such, and, and different, different uh, ethnicities. There was some, some tension there between Greek Jews, Palestinian Jews. There was some tension. And the apostles said, look, it's not wise for us to leave the word in prayer. It's not wise for us to not go and seek the Lord, hear God, teach the word, disciple the people. It would be unwise for us to get into administration and to all these other things. Okay, And that's true. There are some people called to equipping the saints. There's other people called to do certain things, right? And uh, there's always a million things to do in the church. I have to be careful, right, that I do what God's called me to do so you can do what God's called you to do. If I do, what you're, if I do what you're called to do, then you don't get to do it. Right? See, if I did my son's chores, then he doesn't get to do them. Huh? Bad illustration? Just messing. He makes money. Don't worry. All right. So in Acts chapter 6, 7, or, or in Acts 6, they raise up seven Table waiters, it's the first word deacon. They raise up ministers, ministry team leaders, what we would call them, deacons, servants. And they say, now you go ahead and make sure that people are fed. You organize this service to the church, this food ministry. You organize it, and then in Acts 6-7, this is the result. Then the word, this is after they laid hands on them and released them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Not only did the church grow spiritually, it grew numerically. It says it right there, multiplied, right? Not only that, priests, Jewish priests, because of certain ethnic things, they opened their heart up and they come to Jesus. Not only was there numeric growth, there was breakthrough in an area that, of people that weren't open. All because what? A bunch of people grab hold of a food ministry. You say, oh, it's just refreshments. No, it isn't. It's not just refreshments. You're a part of the team. You're a part of the gospel. You see, as you're serving, you're a part of, like refreshments, you're part of helping people to be welcomed, right? You wouldn't have a chair here. How would you like it if there was no chair? How are people going to hear the gospel, right? It's sitting on the ground. Set up and takedown has to happen in order if we have this gathering then we can preach the gospel. Same thing with life groups. What if there's no hosts for our life groups? What if there's no coaches for OSL? What if there's no Sergio and Kurt and Deanna and these others to go out there and start a Spanish church? Then who misses out, right? See what I'm saying? What about our kids? What if nobody helps with the kids? And it's not just teaching the kids. We need people to host. You know, there's some people who just greet the parents. Well, that's a big deal. You know, we love people, right? But what happens if nobody's there to greet the parents and they think, well, we're just a mess, I'm not leaving my kid with them. But then they miss out how great we are. We got, we're great. We're great with discipleship, right? But so what? You have to have greeters to say to a newcomer, hey, we're so glad you're here. And then somebody to say, we're going to take care of your kids. It's going to be okay. And then somebody goes, oh, okay, this is good. I can trust them, right? Because they don't know us yet. 
You see what I'm saying? Everything is connected to discipleship. How can you disciple a kid if the parents don't trust you? If you have bad greeting? Do you, do you see how it's all connected? It's all connected. Come on, the media person, they're part of the worship, right? And they do their best. We're learning, we're growing, and we're tightening some things up. Sound, same thing. If that doesn't work, it distracts and it doesn't help us to enter in and focus on the Lord, right? Everything's connected to discipleship. Your part matters. You are needed. And so whenever you step up and give what God has called you to do, now I'm not saying you say yes to everything. Like Sergio, he works hard, but he doesn't do everything. And around here, you don't say yes to everything. You don't just burn out. No, you just do what God's called you to do. You give the grace that God has given you. And you know, a lot of times, it's not even what you do. It's just who you are. Whatever God has worked in you, as we live in relationship, and we serve one another, we serve those who don't know Christ, and we love them, and you just live as a light in their lives. It's just the grace that God has given you that God wants you to give to other people. Another thing that you'll notice in this passage is in, in, uh, in verse 11. I love this. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. How do you speak as the oracles of God? How do you minister or serve with the strength that God has given you? Does Peter mean, okay, so when you speak, act like you're talking from God. Just fake it. Is that how you're supposed to interpret that passage? Just pretend like you're speaking like from God. So everybody thinks that. Obviously, that's not what he's saying, right? Come on. He's saying whoever gets up and speaks, whether that would include a worship leader or preacher or something like that, if you're going to speak the word of God, you make sure it's actually from the Lord, not just the written word, but actually has a prophetic anointing to it. Now, how do you do that? And how is it that you serve, not with your strength, but with God's strength? How do you actually serve, because I think this would be some of the manifestation of this, how do you serve with gladness instead of complaining? How can you even do that? Well, it's really simple, isn't it? You need the Lord, don't you? See, that number one is just get giving. Start serving. And you'll find that the people who are giving and serving and doing the ministry, now again, not burning out, saying yes to everything, but doing what God's called them to do, you'll find that they realize, oh, I need God. Well, I need to do my devos. I mean, I think a lot of Christians, they're spiritually bored because they're like a pipe and they're clogged up. You know, if you're a pipe and you're clogged, then the only thing you're going to get is what's in the pipe. You've got to keep giving away to keep receiving. You say, man, I don't know why I don't hear God. I don't know why I don't get more revelation. I don't know why I just feel spiritually bored in my life. Maybe it's because you're all clogged up. But when you start letting things flow, what you have freely received, freely give, then you start going, I need to keep receiving. And this is why Jesus says in John 15, if you, I'm the vine, you're the branch. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Or apart from you, you can do nothing. What is he saying? Look, you can't speak the oracles of God if you're not abiding in me. You can't minister with my strength. That would mean even my joy or blessing other people with the power of God if you don't abide in me. And so one of the best things you could do is get serving. And then while you're serving, and this is good for those of you, because most of our church serves already, so you're thinking, 
That first part didn't matter to me, right, Dave? The other one then is, are you abiding? Because what do you have to give if you're not abiding in the Lord? Amen? Ministry flows out of intimacy. If you're giving and giving and giving, but you're not abiding in the Lord, sooner or later, they're just going to end up getting you and not Jesus, right? You're like, oh, I ran out of water, but there's a bunch of junk at the bottom of my cup. Let's get a spoon, you know? People are like, oh, that was kind of nasty. The only way that you can give Jesus is you've got to keep being filled, right? You can only minister out of the overflow if you're constantly being filled, amen? You can only produce the power of God with the, fruit, with the love of God and produce the fruit that God wants you to produce. That means anointing and effectiveness in ministry, actually bringing blessing to other people. You can only do that when you're abiding, amen? So we see here in John 15, he says, he says this in John 15, <clears throat> he says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. You see that? As you abide in him and then go and give that away, you are being what a disciple is. One who is being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, doing what Jesus does. And notice who's glorified. God is glorified. Did you notice in 1 Peter 4, when you speak like the oracles of God and when you minister with God's strength, what did it say in verse 11? That God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. See, that's the whole point, that we would do everything under the glory of God, but he's not glorified if we don't produce fruit. And we can't produce fruit if we don't abide. The best way that you can glorify God is to make sure you're spending time with him digging into him, digging into his word and crying out to God and then let that power flow through you. And I love this because when you're abiding, you'll get everything that you need. Because he says, if you're abiding in me, you'll bear much fruit. And he even says, oh, if you're abiding in my word, he says, remember he says this, oh, ask what you desire. In verse seven, ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. You remember when Jesus sent the disciples out And Matthew 10 and all that, he said to them, don't take anything with you. Nothing? Yeah, don't take anything with you. Oh. And then later, at the end of Jesus' life, on the night that he was betrayed, at the Last Supper, he says to the disciples in getting them ready, he says to them, hey, do you remember when I sent you guys out with nothing? And they're all, yeah. He's all, did you guys lack anything? And I love their answer. They go, nothing. See, when you abide in the Lord and you do what he's called you to do, he's responsible to provide for you. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And he was demonstrating to those disciples, when I call you, I'll provide. Right? So he said, he was just illustrating it for them. Go out with nothing. Okay, now, little, little learn by experience. Did you guys lack anything? No, we didn't lack anything. He could have thrown in there, remember the 5,000 that I fed? Yeah. Did I have leftovers? Yep. How about the 4,000 I fed? Did I have leftovers? Yep. Who ate those leftovers? Probably the disciples. When you're with the Lord and you're abiding in him, you can ask what you desire. And I don't just mean for your life. I mean for your ministry. Some of you are leaders and you're saying, I need volunteers. I need more money to do this ministry or this nonprofit organization. Look, if you're abiding in him and he's called you, then all the power and all the grace and the time and the people and the resources and the money will come because it's from him. There's no lack in his kingdom. Amen? So it's as you abide in him, 
his life can flow through you to other people. Amen? I remember when I was a young Christian, and the Lord had to teach me in my early 20s. He had to break some pride in me. I was ministering. I was trying to give to other people, but there was pride there, and he had to break this pride, and he said to me, you need to come back to your first love. I've been a Christian for a few years, and God's dealing with some deep issues in my life. I'm thinking, I love you, Jesus. What are you talking about? And in that season, my early 20s, he taught me a number of things. He taught me primarily more than anything else. He taught me, your first calling is to worship me. And I live out of that place. And he taught me that you get everything you need for other people in the secret place anyways. So he said, you do the first thing. You do the first thing. You love me. You spend time with me. You worship me. And then whatever you need for people, you'll give it away. Even recently, the Lord told me, and this was more on the flip side of the illustration, or the flip side of the story. He said to me, he said to me, whatever I whisper to you in the ear, you proclaim in public. And he was talking to me about giving some things away. But where do you think you get the whispering? In the secret place, right? I can only give to you what I've received from the Lord, so I have to go and receive it. The more I give, the more I have to go back and receive more. I remember the Lord speaking to me from Revelation 4 years and years ago, and he said, you said, he said come up here, Revelation 4, just come up here. Come up here. He was saying, come up, come into intimacy, come into my presence. And he said, I'll show you things to come. And I'll tell you, it's out of that place of intimacy, both in that season in my early 20s when it was nothing else except that. He took away ministry from me. He let it die. He killed it. And then he resurrected it and said, no, no, what I called you to is what I called you to. It's just that you had made it an idol. So he killed it. Then he resurrected it. And he said, no, see that what I showed you is what I want you to do. But now you're going to do it in my strength, right? And I remember in that season where it was only intimacy and now there's that flow where I both receive and give, it was and still is the place where I get vision. So much of the vision that I've had for my life, for this church, so many of the increase of gifts of the Spirit or prophetic insight or revelation from the Lord has come just in being with Him and worshiping Him and seeking Him in His Word. Amen? So heed your ministry. You have a ministry the Lord wants you to do it. See to it that you do it. It's the only way you're going to be able to fulfill it. <clears throat> and draw from the Lord. Abide in Him. I guarantee if you'll do those things, I know there's a bunch of other things you could work on, but really, if you'll spend that time with the Lord and you'll go and give something away to other people, you're going to begin to see fruitfulness increase, increase, increase. You'll see the Lord promote you in many ways, and of course, he'll be glorified. This is the great thing about your calling. It's a great thing about your calling when you're doing it. Number one, God gets glorified. That's number one. Number two, people get blessed. But I'll tell you, you will come alive. When you're flowing in the grace of God, oh, he'll be glorified. And you'll get the well done, good and faithful servant. People will be blessed and impacted because you're getting something from the Lord and giving it away with his heart, with his love and his power you'll come alive. Jesus actually says that. You can go back and read in John 15. He says, I'm teaching you this so your joy, your joy will be fulfilled. That's what he says in John 15. You can read it later. You see what I'm saying? He's like, oh, God's going to get glorified. You're going to bear much fruit. That's impact to people. Blessing to God. He says, but I'm only teaching it. I want you to feel, be joy, have joy. See, that's the point that you'll find fulfillment in taking what he's given you and go and give it away. 
And that's the whole point of ministries at our church. It's not about programs. It's not about being busy. We're not just, okay, let's look busy. Okay, Jesus is coming soon. Everybody look busy. Everybody look busy. Can you imagine that? Like we're working at a car, car manufacturer, like, an, like a factory, and everybody's like cleaning the floor and like doing random stuff. And like the guy, you know, the, 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 whatever, the GM, the manager, she walks in and she's like, where are the cars? Who's building the cars? And like, oh no, oh, we're really busy. I don't want you to do that. I want you to make cars, right? Look, we're not just trying to look busy around here. We want Jesus to come back and be like, oh, making disciples. That's what I asked you to do. So let's get busy doing what God's called us to do, which means we need to hear the Lord and be obedient. But that's the whole point of the ministries at this church. We just want to get you connected and partnering in the work of the kingdom. And I'm convinced as you keep serving, you'll find out who you were called to be. If you need to take a gifts test, oh, we want to give you the gifts test. Okay, we have them. Talk to Kurt. We have tests. We have tests coming out of our ears we can give you. But really, more than anything that you might get from the test is really affirmation from another leader as you partner in our mentored and apprentice. We'll give you the test. We'll give you affirmation. We'll believe in you. We'll lay hands on you and prophesy over you. We'll do whatever it takes. But the bottom line is, are you abiding and are you heeding the ministry? Amen? Respond to this, Michelle. Thanks, babe.